gives us many wonderful and very vivid descriptions of what our 17th cornerstone of faith calls paradise. Paradise. From Scripture, namely in the book of Revelation, we know a little bit about what heaven looks like. We know that heaven is illuminated by the sheer glory of God. There's no need for light there. We know the walls are made of jasper stone, which is diamond. We know that the foundations of heaven are made of layers of precious stone. We know that heaven's gates are made of pearl and that heaven's roads are made of gold. We also know what will not be there. We know that there will not be a temple. There will not be a worship center because the whole place is a worship center. Amen? There will not be any sin. There will not be any pain. There will not be any death. There will be no sorrow, no crying, no fear. And while there will apparently be tears in the beginning, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. But even with all this detail that we do know, we still can't understand the big picture. It's just so difficult to grasp the absolute perfection and the sheer glory of heaven. Now, last week I pointed out that the worst part of the punishment of hell is being eternally separated from God and everything godly. It would be a horrible place to spend eternity, wouldn't it? But what makes heaven so spectacular, friend, is that we will forever be in the presence of God surrounded by everything godly. It's going to be a great, great place to spend eternity. Now, there still are many unanswered questions about heaven. But I'm thankful that the Bible does answer some of our most searching questions about heaven. The first one beginning with, who will be in heaven? Hollywood has depicted heaven as a place where you go up to the gate and you plead your case, and if you got a good enough good check mark, you get to come in. But John 14, the Bible tells us that Jesus clearly explained that the only ones, the only ones to enter the gates of heaven will be those who have accepted him as the way, the truth, and the life. Not those who have performed the most good deeds. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, praise God. I will come again. And where I am, there you may also be. And where... I go, you know, and the way, you know. Then Thomas spoke up and said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we, can we know the way? And Jesus pointed out, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except 
through me. See, friend, heaven is not a place of judgment. Heaven itself is not the great white throne judgment. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you hearing me, church? Because there are many preachers that will tell you that there's a large majority of people who attend churches that are not prepared. They come to get their check mark, but they're not prepared people. They have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Furthermore, they have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord. I don't know who their Lord is, but it ain't Jesus. Friend, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, your name was written in the book of life, and your reservation for heaven was made the very moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior from sin and the Lord of your life. That very moment. The Bible is clear. How clear? Crystal clear about the necessity of every man and woman, every girl and boy to prepare. To prepare to meet God. The question is this. Are you prepared for your place? Has your reservation in heaven been made? For heaven is a place for those who have received Jesus Christ, yes, as the Savior from their sin, but also the Lord of their life. So that kind of answers our question, who is going to be in heaven? It's going to be filled with people who have trusted in Jesus throughout their life. At some point in their life. But here's another question that the Bible answers. When? When does a Christian go to heaven? When does a Christian enter into the gates of heaven? Now there are some people, and you have to be aware of this, there are some people that teach that when we die, we go into some suspended animation state, some call it purgatory, and then later on you'll be called into the presence of God. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 completely disregards that and clearly explains that when a believer dies, he or she goes directly into the presence of God. Listen to what the Bible says. So we are always confident. Always confident, knowing. You can know this. That while we are at home, at home in the body... We are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What does that tell us? That tells us that when you're absent from the body as a believer, you're in the presence of God as a child. Now, there are two other instances that speak to this. One is that thief on the cross. You all know the story. Jesus is being crucified and there were some words being exchanged between the other two guys that were being crucified on either side, each side of Jesus. And the words kind of went like this. One of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed Jesus saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other. But the other person being crucified answering rebuked that other criminal and said, do you not even fear God? He's hanging right here beside you. 
Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But listen to this. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. And I'll just add, ever. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, what did he say to Jesus? What did he say to Jesus? He said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Praise God. This thief testified to three very important issues. And if you don't pay attention to the way the Bible's written, you'll miss it. But this thief acknowledged that Jesus was God. Did you hear it? Do you not even fear God who's hanging right beside you? This thief also acknowledged that Jesus was sinless. That man did nothing wrong in his whole life. <laughs> but he also testified acknowledging that Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, saying, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, every kingdom has a, a king. To which Jesus responded, today. What did he say? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not next week, not down the road, not after some purgatory period. No, when you die today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Praise God. But there's a, another instance that speaks about being in the presence of God when we're absent from these bodies. And it's the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 1, verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, I am torn between two desires. One, I long to go and be with Jesus. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Paul didn't say, I long to depart and be suspended in some spiritual animation state. No, Paul said he knew that the moment that a believer takes his last breath on earth, he takes his first breath in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, friend, listen. There is no reason for you to be scared. Listeners, there's no reason to be frightened of death. Instead, let us enjoy our lives while we have it here on earth. Just enjoy our lives and spend the rest of the time we've got on this planet telling other people, introducing Jesus to the one that me and you are going to spend eternity with. Praise the Lord. Who will enter heaven? Only the believer. Only the born again. Only the saved, redeemed child of God. When does a Christian enter heaven? When he takes his last breath on earth, he'll take his first breath in heaven. This is a question I've heard many times. 
Will we recognize people in heaven? Will we recognize people in heaven? Well, Jesus addressed that in Matthew 22. Listen up, verse 23 of that chapter. The same day, the Sadducees who say that there's no resurrection came to Jesus and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us, they're telling a story, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he'd been married, having no offspring, and he left his wife with his brother. The likewise to the second brother also, and the third brother also, even to the seventh brother. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, these Sadducees said, whose wife, will, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all were with her. And Jesus answered them, and he said, you guys are mistaken. You are mistaken not knowing the scriptures. You're mistaken because you don't know what the Bible says. You're mistaken not knowing the scriptures. You're also mistaken because you don't know the power of God. And concerning the resurrection from the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am, say I am. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. Amen. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. A number of people in Jesus' day had a really peculiar view of life after death. This group that we're looking at here, the Sadducees, they didn't believe that there was life after the grave whatsoever. I guess they just felt like you got buried and that was it. But when Jesus answered their question, the one they tested him with, he immediately addressed the error of their teaching saying, your mistake is this. Your mistake is... You don't know what God says in the scriptures. A lot of people on this planet today have no idea what God says in the scriptures. Furthermore, you don't know the power of God. You don't know the power of God. And so while he pointed out their errors, he also pointed out their arrogance. Jesus did reveal three insights about heaven to us. First of all, he said, we will not be married will not be married in heaven. Matthew 22, or excuse me, it appears that we're not going to be participating in any of the same activities that we do now. There will be no men marrying and there will be no women given in marriage. Now I see some of the frowns on your faces. I'm coming to the good part, okay? There will be no other family activities that we're used to. Why? Because every one of us is part of the bride of Christ. Oh, we're going to be married, all right. But we're all going to be part of the bride with Jesus being the groom, amen? And furthermore, we're all going to be in the family of God. So yeah, there's going to be family activities, just not like what you're used to now. It's going to be far greater because we're all going to be family, amen? According to Revelation 19 and verse 5, it appears like we're going to be spending most of our time worshiping the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 5 of Revelation 19. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both the small and the great. 
And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, innumerable people. Great multitude as the sounds of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said, see that you don't do that. I'm your fellow servant. And of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. I pray today you have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We're not going to be married in heaven because we're all going to be part of the bride. We're not going to be having just our own families because we're all going to be part of the family of God. But also, we are going to recognize one another. In Matthew 22 and verse 30, Jesus said there that we're going to be like the angels of God in heaven. Did you hear what he said in, back in Matthew? Matthew 22 and verse 30, that we'll be like the angels of God in heaven. We won't become angels, y'all. Are you hearing me say amen? amen? You will not become an angel. That's one of my pet peeves. I've heard it on Facebook, and I've heard it on TV commercials. Oh, they died, and God has another angel. You ever heard that before? You're not going to be an angel. Friend, you might have angelic capabilities. You may have angel characteristics, but you ain't going to be no angel. We will actually have real resurrected bodies. Real resurrected bodies. And friend, while there's no specific verse that says, yes, you'll recognize one another, there are a lot of verses that suggest it. Let me give you a few examples. For 40 days, between the time that Jesus was raised from the grave and he went and ascended to heaven, 40 days, his disciples recognized him in his glorified body. Last week, I shared with you the parable of the rich man and that poor beggar named Lazarus. But do you remember what the rich man said? Hey, Abraham, I see Lazarus by your side. Have him dip his finger in water and cool my tongue with it. He recognized Lazarus. But the Bible says also that we will have incredibly increased knowledge. I ain't so smart, y'all. I'm looking forward to the day when I'm going to have a little bit more smarts, amen? A little bit more knowledge. Listen to what the New Living Translation translates 1 Corinthians 12 as. It says, now we see things imperfectly like we're looking in a cloudy mirror. Have you ever got your bathroom so steamed up that it covers completely the mirror and you can't see nothing? That's what Paul's talking about. It's like trying to view in a cloudy mirror. But then... When we get to heaven, then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. So when you take your towel and you wipe it off and take another towel and you dry it off, amen? You can see perfectly. All that I know, Paul says, is now my knowledge is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. You're going to be one smart cookie when you get to heaven. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Friend, with that kind of knowledge... 
Ain't no telling how many people you're going to know. With that kind of knowledge, it's not going to be no way to tell how recognizable people will be to you. You'll be able to recognize Paul. You'll recognize Peter. You'll recognize Doubting Thomas. You'll recognize that old preacher, Brother Bill, that you remember one day. Amen? You'll recognize these folks more in heaven than you ever could here on earth. So we won't be married because we're all going to be married to Jesus. We won't do family activities that we're used to now because we're all going to be doing family activities together. But the Bible also says that we will also have a distinct personality. Going back to Matthew 22 and verse 32, Jesus refers to that Old Testament passage that says, I am. Say, I am. I am. Not I was. Not I was in the past. I am. That means now. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So not only are we provided with evidence that we will have a resurrected body, it's interesting that Jesus refers to these guys by name. He didn't say, you know that guy that was the father of the faith down on earth? You, know, you remember that guy that was married to Rebecca? No. He didn't write your social security number down, Miss Janet. Right? He, he didn't give a description of you, Grace Ann. He used your name. He used your name. He wrote your name in the book of life. Distinct personalities. And that indicates that we will have that in heaven. Someday, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, just like that. In the twinkling of an eye, Jesus will call us home, and we shall all be changed. And our bodies will be transformed from a mortal body to an immortal body. And that's good news for the believer. To live forever in these sin-soaked, weak bodies, man, that'd be a curse, wouldn't it? I'd have a backache all my life, all eternity. How horrible would that be? Every time I do something, I want twitch wrong or something like that, I got a neck problem, right? You know you have the pains and the aches that we all struggle with. Migraine, headaches, my sweetheart, no, no more of those. And no more of the side effects of medicine because you won't need no medicine. Praise the Lord for that, amen. To live forever in a new body, free from sin, a new body, free from sickness, a new body, free from pain, a new body, free from death. All in the presence of Almighty God. Now that's going to be an incredible blessing. Who's going to enter heaven? When will we go to heaven? What will we find in heaven? Will we recognize one another in heaven? And your last question is, what will heaven be like? What will heaven be like in a way I can understand it? Well, you may not know this, but there was a time when the Apostle Paul got stoned, stoned, and he died. And in a vision, he actually entered in the presence of God. He said, I was caught up into paradise. That word paradise there literally means a royal garden of a king complete with fruit and flowers. And Revelation 7 shows us Four aspects of life that you can expect, friend. 
that you can expect to live when you get to heaven, when you get to the paradise of God. Let me share these with you real quickly. In verse 13 of Revelation 7, one of the elders answered saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day or night in his temple. And he sits on the throne and will dwell with them. They will neither hunger nor thirst. And the sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of them will shepherd and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now we know that, that these believers that John was pointing to here were the ones that made it through the seven-year tribulation as a believer in Christ. Why aren't we included in that? Because we already went up, amen? We already got raptured up in the church before the tribulation ever began. So if this happened for these believers, it's going to happen for you as well. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that you're going to live a life free from fear and worry. Free from fear and worry. Heaven is a place of protection. You heard what it said in verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day or night in his temple. It's a place of protection. You'll have no reason to fear anything in heaven. You won't find bars on the windows. You won't find deadbolts on the doors. There won't be crime in the streets. There'll be an end to all violence. God will be our shelter. But it also means that we'll live a life without any need. You won't need anything. Heaven is a place of absolute satisfaction. John wrote, they'll neither hunger nor thirst anymore. Heaven is an absolute place of absolute satisfaction. Hunger or thirst won't even be a part of your vocabulary. You won't even know the word. The Lord's going to feed us and quench our thirst. But we will also live a life without pain. Why? Because heaven is a place of comfort. No sun will strike them, nor any heat. Revelation 21.4, the Bible says that in heaven, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. Why? Because our heavenly bodies will not be subject to illnesses, will not be subject to aches. Our bodies will not be subject to pain and all those other things that we know so well on earth. So heaven is a place of protection. It's a place of satisfaction. It's a place of comfort. But finally, the Bible says that we will live a life free from sorrow because heaven is a place of joy. A place of joy. For the Lamb who's in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living waters of fountains of living waters. Heaven is a place of joy. Being in the presence of the Lord for all eternity is going to be the most joyful, the most exhilarating, the most wonderful experience that you've ever had. It's far beyond your wildest imagination. Our lives no longer consumed by the cares of this earth no longer consumed by the, the worries and the fears of this earth. Instead, your life is going to be filled with joy, being in the presence of your heavenly Father for all eternity. Friends, while we can look forward 
to all these glories of heaven, there's one thing that far outweighs all of them. And that is you're going to be spending the eternity with Jesus. The one who loved you so much that while you, you were still walking around in the filth of your sin, sacrificed himself to buy you back, to reconcile you to God. Dwight L. Moody said, it's not the jeweled walls, it's not the pearly gates, it's not the streets of gold that are going to make heaven so pretty. It's going to be simply being with God. Wow. So friend, if you view the world through the lens of the Bible, heaven is the absence of everything that breaks your heart. It's the absence of everything that burdens the soul, that grieves the spirit. And it's the presence of everything that rejoices the heart, that refreshes the soul, and that lifts the spirit. And I got three words for you. You ready? Forever. Amen. Amen. Forever. I pray that this message has inspired you to desire heaven as your eternal home. And if you can say, Bill, I'm already, already, already there. I got that. Well, I pray that it also inspires you. Know that it drives you to share that good news that faith in Jesus Christ can take your family member home. That faith in Jesus Christ can take your best friend home. That faith in Jesus Christ can even take your enemy home. Friends, there are loved ones today church members and community members that have lost loved ones or are facing that kind of loss. Facing the end of this life. But friend, we want to be of good cheer and encourage them because those that pass from this life believing in Jesus, they're just going home. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, our Lord above, we praise you and thank you for the many promises of heaven. But on this day, this day, Lord, we praise you for the promise of heaven. 